Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 16 of the Nevada Traveler podcast. I'm your host, Jordan. Welcome to the adventure that is the Nevada Traveler podcast, where I cover all things adventure, review products, and more. If this is your first time listening, hit that subscribe button and check us out on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and everywhere you get your podcasts. The Nevada Traveler podcast is presented by NevadaTraveler.net, the home of the Nevada Traveler podcast, where all the crazy things we cover on the podcast can be found and more. So check out NevadaTraveler.net. Drop me a note. I love to hear feedback from my listeners of the show. So with that out of the way, let's jump right into the Week in Review. Believe it or not, we made it to March, as crazy as that sounds. It's been over a year now since the world as we know it would change because of a virus, lockdowns, and the likes. It's also been a year since our journey to landing in Nevada started. On Wednesday of this week marked the one year since I made the the trek to Sparks, Nevada to begin what at that time we had no idea what was coming next for us and ultimately we're in Nevada. Last weekend was fairly dead for us. We didn't get out much thanks to cold temps, high winds, kept us inside nice and warm. Did manage to get out and have dinner at a couple places, which thankfully starting to feel normal again without having to make uh, reservations and deal with long lines and crabby people. I did get a short ride in on the UTV Sunday evening in the Spanish Springs foothills. Um, same trail Kate and I rode the prior weekend. Um, you can see a video of that ride on YouTube by searching the Nevada Traveler podcast. Um, short ride I took on Sunday night was a solo ride. Just rode that trail um, just to get out of the house a little bit. And it was it was cold, but it uh, it was definitely manageable for the short amount of time I was out. As my listeners know, I'm a big motorsports fanatic, so I'm going to take a moment and give you a weekend recap of actions from around the country. NASCAR made its return to the burial-banked Homestead Miami Speedway over the weekend. The NASCAR Xfinity Series saw another first-time winner in Saturday's Contender Boats 250. Myatt Snyder with perfect execution on an overtime restart held off a charging Tyler Reddick to capture his first career victory in this series. It definitely didn't come without late race drama though. Las Vegas, Nevada's Noah Gregson driving for Junior Motorsports led 83 laps in the, in the event. It appeared it was a done deal for Gregson, but with less than two laps from the victory, the number 13 Toyota driven by David Starr the last driver on the lead lap when he blew a right front tire, shot up the racetrack into the outside wall right into the path of Noah's number nine Chevy Camaro, ending the day for both those drivers and resulting in the overtime finishes that resulted in Myatt Snyder taking home the checkered flag. 
William Byron in the famous number 24 Hendrick Motorsports Chevrolet secured his spot in the 2021 playoffs early with his second career Premier Series victory on Sunday, leading 102 of the 267 laps in a race that saw 19 different lead changes as the sun set on the South Florida Raceway. Tyler Reddick found himself runner-up after a late surge towards the front. Reddick said after the race that he had the car to contend for the wind, just ran out of laps. Martin Truex Jr., Kyle Larson, Kevin Harvick, and rounded out the top five. If you want to learn more or see the full results, head over to NASCAR.com. All three of the top divisions in NASCAR will be back in action this weekend at Las Vegas Motor Speedway for the first event in their West Coast Swing. It was an off week for the Monster Energy Supercross. The action returns this weekend at the World Center of Racing, the Daytona International Speedway. So this week on the podcast, gonna stay in the adventure realm and stay in the off-road community a little bit and talk about electric UTVs. Um, the electric car craze with Tesla and everybody over the years is, has really picked up. Um, as far as I know, I don't think Tesla has plans to make a UTV, but uh, old Elon might surprise us. Polaris unveiled plans this week to debut its 2022 electric Polaris Ranger, their utility side-by-side in late December. They've said the company will manufacture the vehicles at its facility in Huntsville. The new Ranger advances the company's strategic revved-up electrification strategy, according to the news release. The full-size Ranger is the first electric vehicle Polaris developed through its power sports industry exclusive partnership with Zero Motorcycles, which the two companies announced last September. Polaris said it expects its new electric Ranger to start arriving in early 2022. As part of Polaris' revved-up strategy, the all-new full-size electric Ranger spearheads the company's long-term plan to accelerate its leadership in power sports electrification. Our revved-up strategy positions Polaris to help define yet another chapter in power sports and innovation, said Mike Spitzen, interim CEO at Polaris. With the rising interest in electrified vehicles, we are investing in electrification in order to meet the needs of current customers as well as appeal to tomorrow's riders. The all-new Electric Ranger is our latest effort aimed at leading the industry forward in electrified power sports vehicles, end quote. The design and development efforts for the Electric Ranger are underway currently in Wyoming, Minnesota. The company said the new electric powertrain will lift the top-selling Ranger brand to a new level. Steve Minento, I screwed up his last name, president of Polaris Off-Road, is quoted as saying, 
As our top-selling off-road vehicle brand, Ranger has continually set the benchmark as the hardest-working, smoothest-riding UTV, leading the market in rider-inspired motivation, end quote. So that leads into the topic of electric UTVs and where that's going and you know what the future looks like for the power sports and off-road community everybody knows that has a side-by-side you love the the purr of the engine and the and the noise and the smell imagine what that would be like ripping through trails and not making any sound other than tire noise. I think it's a cool idea. I think the concept is there. So with that concept, there's going to be positives and negatives, features and benefits. So it's all a matter of, of use and perspective and all of that fun stuff. So let's talk about the benefits An electric UTV has minimal maintenance, and electric vehicles in general have minimum maintenance. They have fewer moving parts. You get 100% torque from a dead stop. And, and electric UTVs make perfect workhorses. With sophisticated four-wheel drive systems make them extremely capable off-road or anywhere you want a trail ride and I touched on the silent drive system that will allow you to sneak into the woods essentially unnoticed by uh, wildlife so if you're into hunting it makes it perfect with more and more cars motorcycles going electric it was a matter of time before the UTV market started to follow suit and while the electric UTV and electric side-by-side -side options aren't as vast as the automotive market, they are very competitive to their gas-powered counterparts. So I touched on the benefits there. So let's talk about current brands available on the market. The 2020 Polaris Ranger EV. Polaris right now is one of the few major manufacturers to have an electric UTV on their roster. Starting at uh, just under $12,000, it has 30 horsepower, 1,500 pound towing capacity, and 1,000 pound payload capacity. 10 inches of ground clearance and 9 inches of suspension travel make it capable the downsides to the to the elect, the current generation the 2020 electric ranger is in two wheel drive it's very quiet however complaints from owners and users that when the unit is shifted into four-wheel drive the drivetrain noise increases 
and it gets incredibly loud. Now here's the downside to electric UTVs. Charging. If you're like me, you like being able to get on your side-by-side, get out on the trail, and just go. The only thing I'm worried about is running out of gas, which is easily solvable by carrying a gas can, by carrying extra fuel. Polaris says that the current 2020 generation of the Electric Ranger takes 6 to 8 hours of charging on a standard 110 volt. It takes 6 minutes at max to pour 5 gallons of fuel into your non-electric UTV. So talking about another one. High Sun. Sector E1. If you're not familiar, High Sun Motors is based in Texas. Texas. Man, I can't talk today, apparently. <laughs> but they've cooked up a pretty impressive UTV. With 27 horsepower, 220 pounds of torque, the electric motor in the High Sun is not underpowered. The Sector E1 starts at $11,300 and comes with a factory two-year warranty. Here's the downside, again, to electric vehicles. High Sun states that the E1 is good for at least 45 miles. So if you're doing work around a farm or going on a real quick hunting trip, okay. The recharge on the high sun, 6 to 10 hours. With selectable two-wheel drive, four-wheel drive, 11 inches of ground clearance, making it fairly competent off the beaten path. The high sun comes standard from the factory with a 3,500-pound winch. But again, 45 miles. I think about what 45 miles is, and in the scheme of things, it's some distance. But I look back at an area we ride on the California-Nevada state line in the, in the Sierra Nevada mountains, that the vast trail system if they're in there, if you're going to spend six hours on the trail, you, you can very easily put in 100 miles. And our current side-by-side, -side, we can go a lot farther than 100 miles on a, on a tank of fuel. 
But again, I can carry an extra gas can just in case if I need more fuel. So you're very limited with electric side-by-sides. On range, distance, all of that fun stuff. So let's talk about another model. Textron, a big player in the EV market. They bought out Bad Boy Buggies in 2010 and then acquired Arctic Cat in 2017. And both of these companies had experience with electric UTVs. The Prowler EV is the solid offering from Textron starting at $13,500. Comes a little pricier than the Ranger in the sector I mentioned but the performance specs match up well. This unit has 38 horsepower, nine and a half inches of ground clearance, four wheel drive, thousand pound towing capacity. This is where the difference is with this rig. Textron says the EV is good for eight to 12 hours of battery life. No, I've never driven one. I've not tested one out. But I suspect a battery life variation has to do with how much weight you're hauling or towing. How fast you're riding. How, how long you're full throttle. So, it's interesting. Another offering in the electric UTV market comes from Tracker Off-Road. In an episode, a few episodes ago, I did a comparison between the Tracker XTR and the Articat uh, Wildcat XX. Tracker actually has, currently has two options. They have their Tracker Off-Road EV. Has a 72 volt AC electric drivetrain starting at $10,500. Has charging options, 120 volt or 220 volt. battery system you're carrying six 12 volt heavy duty deep cycle batteries so essentially you're powering it like you power an electric golf cart 38 horsepower thousand pound towing capacity but here you go max speed mode on the on the tracker ev 24.5 miles per hour. Now when you're running in max speed mode, you're going to drain your batteries faster. But they also have max range mode 
with a top speed of 16 miles an hour. So that's the Tracker EV. They also have the EVIS. This is the Tracker electric vehicle with independent suspension. Starting at $11,000, has the exact same specifications. The only difference is what they did to the suspension and making it four corner independent suspension. So as I as I talk about this and go through this, you can see advantages and disadvantages. For someone that enjoys trail riding or desert riding where you're going longer distances at higher speeds or climbing higher distances, steeper grades, electric is going to be a tough choice because nobody, whether you have a gas diesel or electric side-by-side -side, wants to be stuck in the middle of nowhere out of fuel or out of juice. And yes, there are diesel side-by-sides. Kubota makes them. Bobcat makes them. They are more geared towards the heavy-duty commercial industry. I mean, if you want to go trail riding in a diesel Kubota side-by-side, -side, have at it. Um, I don't think it would be that enjoyable. So there's the trade-off there. Distance and speed versus spending a little money on fuel and having a little more maintenance. It's all about what you're going to use the use your utility vehicle for, use your side-by-side -side for. And, and we can't talk about electric vehicles and electric power sports machines without talking about Nikola. Nikola Motors. When they started advertising outrageous specs for its zero, all electric side by side, everyone figured there was no way the specs would survive the journey to the market. A 520 horsepower figure may sound plenty normal for a sports car, but that is out there for a side-by-side. -side. However, not only have Zero's off-the-chart specs survived as Nikola prepares for production, they've actually grown. The spec sheet now includes, well, more than triple the horsepower of the current power leader, and more battery power than a Tesla Model S 100D with a price tag equivalent to a Model 3. Now we all know what happened to the Zero. They were planning on opening 
dealership orders in January 2018. They even had a dealership ride and drive event in southern Utah. But it fell flat on its face. You can't go out and buy a Nikola Zero. But the latest thing Nikola is claiming, their newest design, the Nikola NZT, a four-seat side-by-side model, stouting 775 foot-pounds of torque, 590 horsepower, with 0 to 60 in 4 seconds, with up to 150 mile range. Supposedly going to include Fox 3.0 internal bypass shocks with 18 inches of travel, a 13 inch infotainment display with the ability for over-the-air software, software updates, four independent electric motors at each wheel that integrate the inverter, gearbox, and e-motors all in one place. That sounds impressive. With their DC fast charger, they're claiming two-hour charge time. 240 volt, 15 hours. Again, very, very, very impressive specifications. But as everyone has seen with Nikola Motors, is it going to happen? It's, it's unique. Nikola was under fire in December when General Motors announced they were severing their relationship with Nikola after allegations of fraud. So, is Nikola... Is the, are they real? Anybody can create a website and do some renderings of a vehicle or a side-by-side and put it online and make up specs. And if you have investors pouring in millions of dollars to you, it's pretty easy to build one or two demo models to take to the take out to the desert and show off. Nikola didn't dispute 
that they staged a video showing a truck that appeared to be functional, but wasn't. They claimed the truck was fully functional, and it was not. So we can I can talk about and dig into the specs and the benefits you could get out of a Nikola side by side if you could buy one. And that's the other thing. If you can buy one, if they ever actually hit the market. They release pricing for the NZT. The price tag on one of these is going to set you back about $80,000 for a recreational vehicle. And that's steep, considering the price of a fully loaded UTV is in the $30,000 range. At a Nikola event in Arizona, they announced that you can go to their website and reserve your own NZT with deliveries expected in 2021. Reports from, from various places say they had a chance to get an up-close look at a prototype version of the Nikola NZT during the 2018 Sandsport Super Show. But again, I'm going to be very, very skeptical in telling you that, hey, this could be the future of electric UTVs. Because as we sit here today doing this podcast, you can't go buy one. You can't walk into a dealership and demo one. You can't walk into a dealership and push buttons. So this is a store that that's something I'm definitely going to keep my eye on and, and, and just pay attention to what Nickel is doing. Because if a manufacturer has the ability to pull off those specs and bring it to market, it would be impressive. It would be a game changer for the entire power sports community. It would be what Polaris, Can-Am, Arctic Cat, everybody is striving to be. If it happens. And not only that... I don't know about you, but I in no way, shape, or form have the desire to spend $80,000 on a recreational vehicle. If I lived in a state where UTVs were street legal, I still wouldn't do it. I would not do it if it could be my daily driver. Because for $80,000, you can, you can buy a lot of really nice cars. So, again, just one of those parts of the electric power sports vehicle market that 
we should all keep an eye on and see what happens with it. Another company that is moving in the electric direction and a company that most people are probably familiar with is Segway. Segway is famous for their single-person, two-wheel, stand-up-and-drive-around-town mall cop scooters, or whatever you want to call them. I don't even know if they what they're actually called. But you know what they are. Mall cops ride them. Police officers in big cities ride them. But Segway has a power sports division where they have an off-road ATV, a sport side-by-side, and a utility side-by-side. Here's the difference. The Segway Villain SX-10H. They're calling it their Advanced Hybrid Tech. With sleek, flowing lines that extend from front to back, characterized by flowing surfaces, they look elegant, but they claim to be aggressive. It has the first ever hybrid powertrain. The villain features the first hybrid powertrain in the power sports industry that produces an unbeatable power to weight ratio and delivers lightning fast acceleration. And you can manually switch between REEV and EV mode. Claiming 196 horsepower drivetrain with a range extender EV mode, pure EV mode, and has a triple cooling system for both the engine and the electric drive motors. Has a front dual A-arm independent suspension with 400 millimeters of travel with 360 millimeters of ground clearance. Front and rear diff lock. EPS has the ability to be switched off on the fly with a standard comfort and sport settings. Selectable through the app. The intelligent onboard control system can be controlled by your smartphone. So the Segway unit is definitely a unit worth looking into if you want that ability to have the electric vehicle features and benefits but also be able to run on fuel and extend your range longer I won't get into reading you the specs of all the other hybrid electric vehicles from Segway 
but you can check all their stuff out on powersports.segway.com. But Segway, also in the dirt bike market. They have a full offering of dirt bikes that you can pick up. They call them the Segway Dirt E-Bike. They have an X160 and an X260, the 260 claiming a 74 and a half mile maximum range. But there's also other companies that are getting into the electric dirt bike realm. KTM has the Freeride EXC. toting two hours per single charge. One of them that has really intrigued me on the market is the caulk, cake, caulk, however you actually pronounce it. They spell it C-A-K-E, and then in parentheses they have K-A-L-K. This thing looks cool. Like, I'll post a link in the description. It's got a retro futuristic design and spec for exceptional performance. Lightweight, agile, clean, and quiet. Specked out, can run up to three hours on a single charge, reaching. Top speeds about over 80 kilometers an hour. It's a minimalist masterpiece. If, if, you, if you look it up, it looks cool. It just simply looks very clean, very basic. And with that 56, you know... They say the top speed is 90 kilometers an hour. So doing math off my head, what, 50, 55, 56 miles an hour? Which is moving. So I'll post a link to it. The, the downside to the cake is the price tag. Starting at thirteen thousand US dollars. We talked about zero motorcycles a little bit because of their connection with Polaris. Zero motorcycles has the zero FX. Very clean looking, very standard looking dirt bike, off-road bike. 
I think the Zero FX is is modular. I think it's designed for on and off road. Has a curb weight of 247 pounds, and has a has a city range of 46 miles, an 85 mile an hour top speed, 78 foot pounds of torque, 100% electric drivetrain, and a clutch, clutchless drive trans, transmission. So definitely an option in the electric dirt bike offerings the question is always raised are electric dirt bikes any good well they're more than eco-friendly to alternative gasoline-based dirt bikes you don't have to kickstart them or warm them up and like i mentioned talking about side-by-sides they have relatively low maintenance um, making them a good choice So, we've talked about all of the features and benefits and why electric, why not electric. And so what I'm going to say next, I have to tell you, everything I say on my podcast, when it's opinion-based, is my opinion. No one pays me to say anything. No one pays me to promote their product. Electric vehicles and electric power sports vehicles are a great thing for our environment. Less exhaust pollution, less noise pollution, you know, all the way down to oil to make the gasoline and to put oil in your engine. Electric vehicles don't don't have that. So as I touched on riding styles, if you're going to take an electric UTV out on a trail ride and you go too far and you run out of juice and you're in the middle of the desert or the middle of the forest, what are your options? Well, hopefully you have a generator and a gas can because that's the only way you're going to get recharged there's a photo surf- circling around on the internet I think I've tweeted it or something of a Tesla charging station at the edge of a parking lot at a truck stop with a giant Cummins diesel generator powering it. So for me, and again, my opinion, these are all great things. The future for electric vehicles looks very, very bright. But the infrastructure isn't there. The ability to go long distances at higher speeds isn't there yet. So definitely just, it's something to think about. It's definitely a topic that I'm going to keep my eye on and see where where it's going to go.
because, you know, everybody likes to say the future is electric vehicle. Well, they're probably right. You know, we've we've already seen it post-election with the Keystone XL pipeline being shut down. Fuel prices are on the rise. You know, I know it's different everywhere, but, but here in Nevada, regular 87 is over $3 a gallon. And if you're running a high-performance side-by-side, you're generally running 91 octane or higher, which right now is 350 plus a gallon. Yes, you have to pay for electricity to charge your electric vehicle or your electric side-by-side. But I think the future, you know, as we move forward in, in the world, I think electric electric vehicles are the future. I think electric power sports vehicles are the future. I talked about the cake or cock or whatever they want to call it. Um, you know, electric dirt bike. I think it's cool as hell. If I could justify spending $13,000 on something like that, I'd buy one. For me personally, it's not realistic. Because I'd have to buy two. Because I'm not going to leave Kate at home while I go cruise around on my electric dirt bike. So it's a great concept. I think... The power sports industry, along you know, along with the automotive industry, everything's going electric. California is, you know, everybody talks a lot of crap about California. I live on the Nevada state. I live on the Nevada California state line. Essentially, I'm 25 miles from it. But California has come out and said that they want all HV to go electric by 2035, including dirt bikes. For the past few decades or so, California has been at the forefront of the clean energy movement. They notably became the first state to institute the zero emission vehicle program. And if you're not familiar with that, what is it was it is the program that requires required automakers to have at least one alternative fuel car or truck available for sale in California. And there were ten other states involved. That program led to the introduction of small selection vehicle models such as the you know the Toyota Prius. And the Fiat 500e, um, Chevrolet made the Volt. Um, Ford went and made, I think their first one was the electric version of the Ford Fusion.
So again, you know, 2035 seems like an eternity away. But in in the world of advancing technology, 2035 is right around the corner. And what we're seeing today with Polaris creating an electric, you know, improving on their electric lineup. Segway getting into the power sports market with their hybrids. I think the market for the off-road vehicle community is going to fall in line with the automakers and and develop these electric off-road vehicles and and dirt bikes. If you missed any part of today's episode, you can listen back anytime on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and anywhere else you get your favorite shows. Check us out on Facebook, facebook.com, Nevada Traveler Podcast. And give me a follow on Instagram, Nevada underscore Traveler. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. I look forward to joining you again next week with another great topic to dive into. So with that, I want to thank each and every one of you who tune in each week. Like, subscribe, rate and review. And again, check us out on NevadaTraveler.net, the home of the Nevada Traveler podcast. Thank you all so much. I'm your host, Jordan. So long, everybody. Everybody.